Good morning, Three Lakes Free Church. Glad to have you with us at our worship service this morning. I don't know if you can tell, but I haven't had a haircut since late January, so you might not recognize me. My name is Eric Gustafson, and I am the chair of the Senior Pastor Search Committee, and we're thinking it is a great day. I'll do my happy dance because today is the day when we introduce you to our uh, candidate for our senior pastor role, Tim Beyer. So he's going to come and he's going to preach to us this morning, open God's word for us. So look forward to that. After the service at 1045, we're all going to join together via Zoom to have a live question and answer session with Tim and his wife, Vanessa. So please join us then. And then after that, all members will vote via mail-in ballot. It's also an exciting day because we have the privilege of gathering together to worship together. You know, one thing about this pandemic is that, at least for me, has helped me appreciate some of the things that I've taken for granted. And one of those is the opportunity to gather together with you to worship the Lord. So we're looking forward to gathering online, and we've enjoyed that. We're going to worship together. And some of you are watching by Facebook, so give a cheer for Facebook. Do that in the comments section. Some of you are watching on the website. So go website, people. And for today only, some of you are watching on Zoom. So if you're on Zoom, go ahead and cheer in the chat window. So thank you for joining us. We're looking forward to connecting with God. We're looking forward to connect with each other. And we're also looking forward to getting to know the heart of Pastor Tim, our candidate today. So before joining together in song, let me open the service in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful people for the pastor candidate that you have chosen to send to us. We ask that you speak directly to each of us through him today. And we also ask that you speak to us through the music that points us to you. And that you would hear from us of the gratitude and love that we have for you. We welcome you to our worship service as we seek to honor the name of Jesus. Amen. Worship team, please lead us together in song now.
23 Lake Stephen Jungle Free Church. This is uh, Ian. I'm the youth and family pastor. Um, we're going to take some time and we're going we're gonna to pray. Um, every Sunday we've always had a time of pastoral prayer, and I, I urge you guys, whoever you're, you're watching with or if you wish watching by your own, on your own, take some time and just pray for our church this Sunday. I'm going to give you about five minutes. You guys can pray, and, um, and then when we come back together, I'll wrap it up. Um, and I've got a, a quick quick note on giving to, to talk about. So you guys have five minutes to just pray for Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together, Lord. I ask that you would bless this church as we work through, um, as we've worked through this candidating process. We've seen your hand and your guidance throughout it, and we ask that you would continue, continue to give us wisdom, give us clarity, peace, and unity through the rest of this process. We ask that you would 
um, be with Tim as he brings the message, and just bless him as he does that. We love you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, thank you, all of you who have been giving. Um, you can give online at tlefc.org. You can give through text by texting 715-600-5820. Um, or you can also send a check to the church office. So thank you so much for those who are giving and continuing to uh, finance the church. Um, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call the church office. Um, Lori would be more than happy to speak to you or or Scott or whoever one of us is there. Um, we're now going to go into a segment of time where we are going to have some more front porch greetings. So have a great day and have a great service. Hi, this is Eric Gustafson, my wife, Sue Beth, and uh, we're glad to see you guys. I am uh, did the music last Sunday, and I missed you. It's really a lot harder to lead worship when there's not a lot of people in the pews. So looking forward to the day we get to do that again. And I just want to say I love my church family and I miss you. I hope you're all doing well and growing in Jesus. Keep it up. So we just want to say uh, God bless you and I hope you can say with us, it is well with my soul. Hi from Camp Renopin Road right next to Sue Beth and Eric. For those of you who don't know me, I am Pauline Borgen. And really, that's probably most of you who don't know me. Just want to say hi. Charlene asked me to think about a verse, and I didn't have to think more than like two seconds because I have always stood on Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have made for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I hope you all, every one of you, hang on to that verse because the future will be better. Thank you. See you soon. Good morning. <laughs> nice to be able to say hello, even though I can't get to see all your wonderful faces. I miss seeing everybody at church. I miss all of you. Can't wait to get back into church again and be with all of you. Um, I hope you're doing well during this time of quarantine. hope you're keeping your spirits high. I know that I can get myself dug too deep into the news and my, my attitude goes down, but the more I start praying and looking to the Lord, it goes up. My days get better. And when I'm practicing a little bit more gratitude and and even having just a little bit of fun, do something funny or, needless to say, doing something wonderful for somebody else, which is what our church does. It's just a given with our church. So I um, can't wait to see all of you again, and uh, you have a great Sunday.
It's my great privilege to introduce our speaker and pastor candidate, Tim Beyer. Tim grew up in the Appleton, Wisconsin area, and he received an education degree at UW-Eau Claire. He also holds an MDiv degree from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he currently serves as Associate Pastor of Children and Parenting Ministries at Grace E. Free Church in Fridley, Minnesota. Perhaps more importantly to some of you, he is a lifelong Packer fan. And yes, I can hear the cheering all over the internet. So Tim, welcome back to Packer Country. He's married to Vanessa, and they have three delightful girls, Adelia, Evelyn, and Isla. Tim, we are super excited that you are here, and we are all ears as you come to open up God's Word to us this morning. Welcome to our pulpit. Good morning, Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. It is great to be here with you this morning, even though we all kind of acknowledge that this is not maybe the the format we would prefer to have this weekend take place in. I'm still excited to be here with you and uh, just to get a chance to interact with you in a variety of ways this weekend. So we're going to be in the book of 1 John this morning. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn there. And as you turn there, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. I've been married to Vanessa for, for 10 years, and we have three daughters. We have Adelia, who's five, Evelyn, who is three, and Isla, who is eight months old. And so we've been married for 10 years, and our oldest daughter of five. So if you do the math, we had five years of being married before we had kids. And in those five years, we spent plenty of time thinking about what it would be like to be parents. And like many people without kids, I was idealistic. I, I thought I had it all figured out. I, I knew how to be a great parent. I just knew I did. And frankly, I was a little judgmental when I would see parents struggling to control their kids, or I would see kids throwing a temper tantrum. Like, I knew our kids would never behave like that. Like, we were gonna parent in such a way that our, that like, when they did misbehave, we would quickly and we would firmly correct them, but we would still be loving towards them. And we would be consistent. We would follow through, and our kids would quickly learn that disobedience doesn't pay, and they would learn to never misbehave all that badly. Like, I had it all figured out. It all seemed so easy in theory. But then, we actually had kids. And I quickly learned that parenting was not nearly as easy or as straightforward as I had imagined. It's not nearly as cut and dry. I cannot count the number of times that I have been at a loss as a parent, not knowing the right way to handle a situation or what the right path forward is. In short, the real experience of parenting was far more challenging than the parenting I've had in my mind. Real parenting is far harder than the fake version of parenting that existed in my head before we had kids. But there's a flip side of that too. It's like before we had kids, like I assumed I would love and enjoy my kids. Like parents seem to like their kids, so I assumed that would be true of me too. But I never could have imagined the depth with which I would love my kids or the joy that they would bring me on a day in and day out basis. Just as the real experience of parenting was harder than parenting in theory, so the reality of parenting was far more fulfilling and satisfying and joy-giving than I ever could have imagined before I experienced the real thing. Well, we're going to see in our passage this morning that the same thing is true about Jesus. 
knowing the real Jesus is both more challenging and more rewarding than knowing a fake version of Jesus. John is writing to a church that is being influenced by false teachers. And they're, they are presenting a false and a limited view of who Jesus is. Now, on the one hand, this false view of Jesus is makes Jesus easier to understand and easier to believe and easier to accept. But John says that those who hold this false view of Jesus will not experience the benefits available to those who know the real Jesus. Just as it was only through having children that I could experience all the fulfillment and joy that comes with having children. It's only know the real Jesus that we can experience all the joy and blessings that are available to those who believe in Him. So with that in mind, let's read God's Word this morning. We are, as I said, we're going to be in 1 John, and we're going to read the verses 1 through 4 of chapter 1. So the first four verses in the book. And this is what John writes. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So if I could summarize the heart of this passage, right? If I give you one sentence that if you remember remember nothing else of what I say today to take you with you into the rest of your life, it would be this. That rightly knowing Jesus is necessary to experiencing the benefit of the Christian life. Say that one more time. Rightly knowing Jesus is necessary to experiencing the benefit of the Christian life. So here's my plan for the rest of our time together this morning. We're going to dive into the passage, and in it we're going to see two truths about who Jesus is, and then two benefits of knowing him. So two truths about Jesus, and two benefits of knowing those truths. And the first truth about Jesus that we see in that we see John teaching in this passage is that Jesus is fully God. The very first word to this letter are that which was from the beginning. Now, the John who writes this letter is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. And when he says, that which was from the beginning, he's calling to mind the first word of his Gospel when he writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And those words, in turn, point us all the way back to the very first word of the Bible in Genesis 1.1. When we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This opening statement from John reaffirmed what he has already made abundantly clear in his gospel. That Jesus is fully God. Jesus has eternally existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now, in a minute, we're going to see that John is going to spend way more time in this passage emphasizing that Jesus is also fully man. And when I first read this passage, it struck me as strange that John would spend so much time focusing on the fact that Jesus is fully man, 
but only briefly alluding to his divinity in this one short phrase. But the fact of the matter is that John was writing to an audience that largely took Jesus' divinity for granted. They accepted that he was God. The false teachers that John was writing against were denying the humanity of Jesus. But both his humanity and divinity are essential to knowing Jesus as he really is. But John is just choosing in this passage to spend more time addressing the area that was more controversial in his day. But the, but the script has kind of flipped in our day. There are even many secular people who will gladly admit that there was a real person named Jesus who existed, who was a t- teacher. Like they may even have some appreciation for some of his teachings. The hangout for most people today is not the humanity of Jesus, but it's his divinity. But John here rightly said that to rightly know Jesus, you must know him as God. He is not merely a good teacher. He was not a man who God decided to pour a little bit of an extra dose of his spirit into. He was not merely a martyred prophet who his followers later built up a mythology around. Jesus is the eternal, all-powerful God who spoke our vast universe into existence by the power of his word. Some of you may be familiar with the scientist and TV host Bill Nye. When I was a kid, he had a a PBS show called Bill Nye the Science Guy. And when I was in elementary school, whenever we had a substitute teacher, I always looked forward to science class. Because in my mind, the equation substitute teacher plus science class meant Bill Nye video. And I just loved watching these videos. Bill Nye is a way of making science exciting and understanding, understandable and relatable to kids. But as time has passed, he has shifted some of his focus from teaching science to kids to teaching more popular-level adult, adult science. In the process, he's become more and more open about his atheism. And in one of his lessons to adults, he says, we are just a speck on a speck, orbiting a speck in the corner of a speck in the middle of nowhere. I think Bill Nye had two intentions in saying that. One was to communicate just how incredibly, inconceivably vast the universe is. But the universe is so massive, he's saying, that we are nothing but a, a human-shaped speck on the speck of an Earth, orbiting a speck of a star in the corner of a speck of a galaxy. Like We cannot comprehend how vast the universe is. But he also had the second, slightly more subtle intention when he called this just a speck. And that is for us to understand that we are ultimately meaningless in the grand scheme of an unimaginably vast universe. And as Christians, like we, we agree that the universe is indeed unimaginably massive. But that only makes us insignificant if the universe is the product of random and uncaring events. But if the universe came into existence through the power of an almighty God who also makes us in his image, then we have no reason to feel insignificant. If there is a God who is big enough and powerful enough to create the universe and who also cares about us personally, that gives us great significance. Our tininess in comparison to the vastness of the universe is a reason to feel meaningless unless the God who upholds the universe gives you meaning. 
And John is saying in this passage that Jesus is that God. He is the one who was from the beginning. And what more clear indication of our significance could God give us than to give up the glories of heaven, to take on flesh and to enter into this fallen world? All because He loves us and wants to provide a way for us to be freed from the ravages of sin and death. What can make you feel more significant than that? And John says, this is just what God did for us in Jesus. And that brings us to the second truth about who Jesus is, and that is that he is fully human. So after John reminds us that Jesus was from the beginning in our passage, we pick up the passage in the second half of verse 1. And as I read this, just listen and pay attention to all the words John uses that relate to our senses. He says, that Jesus was from the beginning, that he says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which is with the Father and has appeared to us. We, pro- we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. Like, can you hear just all the terms related to the senses? John says, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked at, our hands have touched, the life appeared, we have seen it. John points that the apostles, himself included, were with Jesus, day after day, week after week, year after year. They heard him, they touched him, Jesus was not some ghost or spiritual being masquerading as a man. The apostles saw him weep. They saw him sleep. They felt him as he washed their feet. The apostles heard his cries of agony as he was nailed to the cross. He was a real man. John takes so much time focusing on the humanity of Jesus. Because there are false teachers who are starting to infiltrate the, tur- the church that he is writing to. And they're teaching that everything spiritual is good, while anything physical was evil. So therefore, in their way of thinking, for God to become man, become a physical being, was impossible. But John wanted the reader to know that not only are these false teachers wrong, but that believing that Jesus was fully man is essential to rightly knowing Jesus. If we really believe in the divinity and the humanity of Jesus, if we really believe that the all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal God gave up all the glories of heaven and entered into this broken and sinful world because he loves you so much that he determined to make a way for you to be rescued from the punishment of your sins, that is the groundwork that is essential for knowing Jesus rightly. Now, of course, there is much more about Jesus that we could know about him. But knowing him as fully God and fully man serve as the foundational layer upon which everything else we know about Jesus is built. So John says that this Jesus, who is both God and man, it is him that we are proclaiming to you. It is him that we want you to know personally. And we are proclaiming him to you 
because we want you to experience two benefits of knowing Him. And the first of those benefits is fellowship. In verse 3, John writes, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. If we have a right understanding of who Jesus is, John says that the natural outflow of that, that we will have fellowship. And that fellowship extends in two directions. There is the fellowship in the vertical direction. When we understand who Jesus is, then we realize that his death on the cross tore down the dividing wall between us and God. We realize that the sin that once alienated us from God has been paid for. And we are now invited back into a loving relationship with God. We go from being enemies of God to being friends of God when we rightly understand who Jesus is. But notice that this fellowship with God must involve relationship. Not just head knowledge about who God is. John, in this passage, by emphasizing like the tangible experience of Jesus, right, that we have seen him, we have touched him, that we have heard him. Right? John's driving home the fact that to really have fellowship with Jesus, you must know more than just a series of facts about him. You must experience him as he really is. And we, we understand this distinction naturally, don't we? Like, isn't that what this weekend is all about? The search committee and others have done a great job through the website and through videos of giving you information about my family and me. And you can know lots of facts about us from those sources. But without having time to talk with us and interact with us and meet us, like you likely wouldn't say that you really know us. That's why I'm thankful for technology that is allowing this weekend to take place. And it's allowing us to begin the process of getting to know each other. Of course, we'd all prefer to meet in person, but meeting through Zoom and meeting in various ways still allows us to experience and get to know each other in a way that just knowing facts about each other never could. So in the same way that we need to have experience with each other in order to really know each other, we must experience Jesus if we're going to have real relationship with him. We must talk to him in prayer. Not in some perfunctory way, because I know I'm supposed to pray, but believing that we are really talking to a real person who desires real relationship with us. We must hear his word in the Bible. Again, not just to check off Bible reading from our daily to-do list, but believing that we are reading the revealed word of God. The God who loved us enough to reveal himself to us in the Bible. We must be attuned to how God is at work in us and through his Holy Spirit who dwells in us as he prompts us and guides us to live the life that he has called us to live. Knowing Jesus produces fellowship with God. But the fellowship also extends in a horizontal direction. Not only does it give us fellowship with God, but gives us fellowship with one another. And the, the idea behind this word Fellowship is not merely a sense of friendship or camaraderie. Right? Brother, the idea of a group of people who are united around something significant and important, 
And fellowship speaks of, of people who are united around a love of something that they know really matters. And the beautiful thing about this kind of fellowship is that it transcends all kinds of barriers. It doesn't matter if we're the same age, we have the same interest, we're the same race, we come from the same socioeconomic class. If we are united around a love of Jesus, then all those things become insignificant in comparison to being brothers and sisters united together as children and heirs to the king of the universe. My family and I currently live in Minnesota. And as you might imagine, it can be a bit of a challenge to be a diehard Packer fan living in Minnesota. And the people in our church love to give me a hard time about being a Packer fan. They just love to rib me about it. It didn't help that my first two years at that church were the two of the Packers' worst years that I can remember. They loved rubbing that in. But the thing is that as much as I love cheering against the Vikings, especially when they're playing the Packers, and as much as I can't fathom why anyone would ever choose to be a Vikings fan, much less a Bears fan, right? I love those brothers and sisters because we are united in fellowship around a love of something far greater than football teams. The fellowship speaks of being united around a common love, but it also speaks of being united around a common purpose. The most common verb in this passage is proclaim. In verse 1, John says, this we proclaim. Verse 2 says, we proclaim to you eternal life. Verse 3 says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. John is saying that our mission is to proclaim Jesus to you so that you can have fellowship with him and with us. And when you do have fellowship with us, then you join us in our task. You join us in our mission of proclaiming Jesus so that more and more people can experience the same fellowship with God and fellowship with us. Ultimately, the reason we, the reason that John proclaimed Jesus and the reason that we're called to proclaim Jesus is that it, that it is only through knowing Jesus that anyone can have true and lasting and complete joy. Which brings us to the second benefit of knowing Jesus that John lays out in this passage. He says in verse 4, we write this to make our joy complete. And John here echoing the words that he heard directly from Jesus himself. In John 15, 11, John records that Jesus said, I have told you this, so that my joy, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. John is writing this letter because he wants his readers to know personally the incarnate Son of God. And he wants his readers to know him because knowing him is the only way to complete joy. Complete joy, total joy, is only found when we have complete and total knowledge that the great enemies of sin and death have been defeated at the cross and that one day we will live together, we will live forever in perfect fellowship with God and one another in the new heavens and the new earth. This is what knowing Jesus allows. Even though we live in a world that is broken and marred by sin, even though our fellowship with God and with one another is not yet perfect because of our sin, we still, have, we still live in confidence that Jesus is coming back to usher in an eternity when there is no more sickness or suffering or pain for all those who know him. And because we know this day is coming, we can live our lives now in this broken world in complete joy 
anticipation of that day. So by way of conclusion, let me just briefly reiterate what I've said so far from this passage, and then lay out a couple of ways that what we read it, what we read in this passage would impact my ministry if you do choose to call me to be your next pastor. So John says that his mission is to proclaim the word of life. That is Jesus. He wants his reader to know Jesus. Right? Not just know information about Jesus, but to have an ever-increasing relational knowledge of Jesus. And when that happens, right, the church will be united in fellowship with God and with each other. And they will be united in a desire to proclaim the good news of Jesus to others, with the ultimate result being that we will live in an ever-increasing joy. So if you do call me to be your next pastor, here are a few things that, are, that will be true of my ministry in light of this passage. First, I will never stop proclaiming Jesus to you and encouraging you to continually grow in your knowledge of him. I'm convinced that our relationship with Jesus impacts every part of our life. So I will never stop encouraging us to know Jesus better. Second, then in light of our shared knowledge of Jesus, I will encourage us to live out the fellowship that is available to us through Jesus. I will encourage us and try to facilitate ways for us to foster and grow a sense of community amongst ourselves so that the world, so that, so that our love for each other is a powerful witness to the watching world. And in light of the unity of purpose that comes from fellowship, I also encourage us to join with John and 2,000 years of followers of Jesus and playing our part in carrying out the ultimate mission of the church, which is to proclaim the good news so that others may know Christ and become his disciples. And finally, I will never stop reminding us of the complete joy that we find through Jesus. When times are hard, when there is sickness and death and broken relationships, I will, I will mourn with you, I will walk with you through those challenges, but always in the knowledge that one day Jesus is coming back to put an end to all sadness and to make all things right. We must never lose sight of the ultimate joy found in Jesus. Even when times are hard, and I'm committed to always pointing to that joy. I'm excited for what God has planned for Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. And if you call me to be your next pastor, I look forward to partnering with you in the task of proclaiming Jesus to one another and to the world around us. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that you did not leave us in our sin, even though we rebelled against you, even though we walked away from our relationship with you. We had no right to expect you to come save us. You sent Jesus to take on flesh, to be tempted as we are, to live as a man in this fallen and broken world, ultimately to to suffer the agonies of death, all so that we could have a way to be made right with you. We thank you for revealing Jesus to us through your word. We thank you that you continually review, reveal more of yourself to us as we read your word more and more. And I pray that we would continually seek to know you better and better. 
And I pray that their knowledge of you grows and increases. That it would transform the way we live our lives. That we would live lives that more and more reflect the God we serve. That we would grow to be more and more clear bearers of your image to the watching world. That we would see people come to know you because of the life we live and the truth we proclaim. God, thank you that you are a good, mighty, and sovereign God, even in the midst of trying times. That you have a plan, that you have a purpose, that you care about us, and you love us. Help us to live in confidence of that love for us. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for that word from the Lord, Tim. Before we close our service, I just want to remind everyone that today at 10.45 a.m., Tim and his wife, Vanessa, will be taking your questions live via Zoom. If you're a regular attendant of this church, you have received an email or a letter that gives you the link to that Zoom meeting. You can connect to that meeting at any time after 10.15, and I'll try to start promptly at 10.45. And now I'll ask Tim to come back and close our service in prayer. Close our service in prayer. Father, we... Again, thank you for the chance to gather, to hear your word, and to be changed by your word. I pray that what we've heard from your word today would change our lives, that it would transform us in ways that would cause us to glorify you more and more as we go about our coming days. I pray that you would give us perseverance and the ability to proclaim the glories of who you are well, even in the midst of these unique times we find ourselves in. And whatever the days ahead hold, I pray that we would trust you as a good God who will carry us through these these times. We confess that we're uncertain, that we're unsure of what may be in store for the future, but we trust you. We thank you that you are the God who spoke the universe into existence. You are the God who uphold the universe by the power of your word. You're the God who will one day bring about a new heavens and a new earth where all things will be made right. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Not to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glory of presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace.